Well, we're going to have fun tonight. Who, who's ready to have some fun tonight? Woo! Come on now. Was anybody, was anybody here tonight that was not here last night? Oh, good. Okay, this section. Awesome. Hey, we had a, we had a good time, and, um, and uh, one of the things that we're going to do at the end tonight, um, we didn't have a chance to pray for everybody last night, but tonight's the last night that I'm here. Of course, Todd's coming in tomorrow. We're so excited about that. Love Todd. I've got to head back to Birmingham, Alabama. Again, we, I pastor Kingsway Church, and uh, we lead an apostolic center there made up of multiple ministries. Uh, and just really seeing restoration sweeping an entire city. It's, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. And, uh, but I've got to head back tomorrow to be a part of that. Uh, that being said, we want to lay hands on everybody tonight uh, and, just, and, and, and just release that holy shift that we talked about last night. How many of you, listen, how many of you, you, you felt something shift last night when we started talking about that holy shift? Holy shift. It's awesome. And, uh, and so we're going we're gonna to pray and we're going to release that. Romans 1.11, Paul said, I long to come to you that I can impart to you a spiritual gift and a grace that you may be established. And what we've been given, we have the authority to give away. Amen? And see, so we've been given authority to release shift. We've been given authority to begin to release that favor, that advancement. And, and, and it's almost like a match being lit that then all of a sudden just sets you on your course. It's like a catalyst. It's not that you're getting something you did not have. It's just awakening something you are, you're born with in the DNA of Jesus Christ within you. Amen? But there's a few things that are in my heart just to speak to you tonight. And, um, and so the first thing I want to talk to you about is divine order brings exponential increase. Divine order brings exponential increase. And so I'm going to give you just a few bullet points tonight uh, of just kind of nuggets that we can hang our hat on and, and, and kind of what I call banks to the river of the holy shift. In other words, you know, if, 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 if you don't have banks and you have a river, all you've got is runoff. Amen. And so the Lord is, he's, he's wanting us to make preparation to steward the blessing of the Lord in our life. And there has to be, just like Elisha had to dig ditches before the rain came, God is saying, I want you to make preparations now for what I'm about to send. Are you with me? See, Malachi 3, you know, I, I don't understand people sometimes. I understand God, but sometimes I don't understand people. Malachi 3 tells us this. It says that we're encouraged to bring all of our tithes and offerings into the storehouse. Hey, that fits. Bring all of our tithes and our offerings into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. That's what the Lord said. That there may be food in my house. He said, test me in this. Try me in this. If I will not open up the windows of heaven over your life and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. And it says not only will he open up the windows and pour out a blessing that there's not even room to receive, he says, and I'll also rebuke the devourer for your sake. You see, it's one thing to be blessed. It's another thing to be blessed with no sorrow added to it. And see, a lot of times, people who get more stuff, more money, more problems. Y'all with me? What was it, Puff Daddy? Was that Puff Daddy? Or Mace? Something. Like Harlem World. But anyway. More money, more problems. I mean, look at what happens when people win the lottery. If they don't have the character to, if they don't have the character to contain the blessing, it honestly leaves them worse than when they came, when they, worse than before it came. And honestly, if you look throughout church history, that's, that has been true of most revivals. The revival comes, the church was not ready. The revival comes, it's great for a season, 18 months to three years at the most, most times. And then when it leaves, the church is weaker than before the revival came. I don't believe that's God's best. I believe those are lessons that we are called to learn from. And that's where God is saying, listen, I want you to get ready now for what I'm about to pour out so that what is poured out can be stewarded so what I pour out will not run out. So what I pour out will not run out. And so here's what he says. He says, I'm about to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon your life that you cannot contain. There is not even room enough to receive it. And most people go, okay. This is what I do. I go, hmm, I'm going to try to make more room. In other words, you know, how many of you, I mean, you, you, you see these folks, you ever seen these, these folks that get these, these big old blue barrels to, to catch water, you know, the rainwater and stuff like that, disaster preparedness, all that kind of stuff. See, they're making preparation, okay? And, and, and we got to get out some buckets, we got to begin to create some containers. we got to begin to create opportunities in our life to catch the blessing of the Lord because divine order brings exponential increase. 
Divine order brings exponential increase. Let me give you an example. John chapter 6, uh, Matthew chapter 14, of course in Mark, and again in Mark 6, and again in uh, Luke. How many of you are familiar with the story of the feeding of the 5,000? Okay. 5,000 men along with their families, okay, have been following the Lord. They're into their third day following the Lord. They, they're, they're, they're not just hungry, they're hangry. Have you ever been hangry? That's not just hungry, it's not just angry. You're hangry. And that's when you look at people and they start to look like a long, instead of John Eckert, it looks like a long John. You guys have long Johns in Texas, them cream-filled donuts, aren't they awesome? And so you start looking at people and it's like, man, that, that, that person looks like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. You just want to take a bite of somebody's kid. You know what I'm talking about? Hangry. All right? Hangry. Hangry. Anybody ever been hangry? And so they were hangry. And this is what Jesus did. He turned to his disciples. He said, what do you think we should do? And it said he already knew what he was going to do. But he was giving them an opportunity to partner with the miraculous. Because when he turned to him and said, what do you think we should do? The right response would have been, whatever you want. Whatever you want. By the way, you know how to turn water into wine? John chapter 2. Wedding at Cana, right? They run out of wine. Mary goes to Jesus. She says, listen, they've run out of wine. He says, why is it my problem? She said, you don't understand. I've carried a promise in my heart for 30 years and I'm done waiting. Up until that point, she had the water of a given word that had not yet become wine of an outpouring, a promise, a fulfillment. And so she did this. She said, she turned around and she said to everybody at the wedding, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And if you want to know how to see the water of his word turn into the wine of his promise, I can tell you this, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And that was where these disciples found themselves in the feeding of the 5,000. So what are, you, what are we going to do? And they started thinking, well, man, we, we're broke. We don't even have enough money to buy all the food. Even 200 denarii. We, we couldn't, even if we, should, even if we took up an offering, we could not buy enough food to feed all these people. You know what they did? They went into human reasoning. How often, when faced with an opportunity to see the kingdom of heaven come on earth as it is in heaven, to see the kingdom come, how many times when we're, when we're facing an impossible situation do we turn in our mind to human reasoning and try to figure out a natural solution to a supernatural problem instead of looking to a supernatural solution to a natural problem? And so they said, listen, we, we couldn't even raise enough money to feed this. And I think a lot of times we're just looking to, to have one more campaign or raise one more deal or do one more thing just to meet one more need instead of recognizing that what we've got in our hand with the blessing of the Lord upon it is more than enough to meet every need and have an abundance for every good work. This one faithful boy comes and he gives his lunch. Two fish and five loaves. Awesome kid. I mean, could you just imagine this kid in heaven? I want to talk to him. He's awesome. I mean, the, the inspiration that he had. I mean, what was he thinking, thinking through? How old was he? I mean, what was the motivation? Did he just look out and people and just, was it a selfless act where he just meant and said, man, you know, I'm hungry, they're hungry, they're hangry. Here's my, here's my lunch, I really don't need to eat. Because in that moment, what he did is he gave his everything. He didn't measure out a little bit of fish. I'll, I'll give you a fin and me a fin. I'll give, you some, I'll give you some crust and me some crust. I'll give you a biscuit and me a biscuit. He gave it all. And see, when we're willing to give it all, like that little boy, listen, all of a sudden, when you give your all into the hands of God and he looks to heaven with a thankful heart and begins to bless what you've given and begins to break it and begins to give it away, not only does it meet the natural need, but it releases an abundance for every good work. But this is what happened. Before Jesus multiplied the food, before he thanked the Lord and blessed it, what did he have the people do? He had them sit down in groups of 50. Did you ever wonder about that? Whenever you see those random details in scripture, those things that make you go, hmm? Those are the things you say, Lord, there's something here that I need to see. He had them sit down in groups of 50s. Why? Because he was making room to receive the blessing that heaven was about to pour out. He was bringing them into a place of divine order so exponential increase could be released, received, stewarded, and then given on. Because if he had not had them sit down in groups of 50 and got into divine order, 
what was multiplied would have been lost as quick as it came. And this is why it's so important to, to, to allow divine order to come into our life, that when things are out of order, whether it's uh, finances, uh, relationships, uh, listen, the greatest resource we've ever been given is not money, it's time. Our day. Some of us, listen, our, our, our days are out of whack. That we, we, we are serving our day instead of our day is serving us. And if, we'll get our, if we will get divine order into our day, the Lord will allow us to begin to do more with less. He'll begin to have us, allow us to have more productivity with less effort. Wouldn't that be awesome? Less sweat and more produce. Because if they had not been put into divine order, they would have continued just to pull at him. And if the food had been multiplied and been given out, more would have fallen to the ground than would have ever got into their, into their belly. And see, this has happened in times past in revival. This has, been, this has happened in times past in church because we were not ready for the blessing that God was about to pour out. When it was poured out, it was not steward. It was wasted and it fell to the ground, not producing. I want to tell you, listen, heaven's about to touch earth. The Lord is about to touch your lunch. He's about to multiply it. And guess what? When Jesus multiplied it, did he give out the food? No. He looked to others that he could then give the food to to where they could give it away. Lord had me use a word last night. I've never, I didn't even, I wasn't even sure it was a word. I had to Google it after the meeting. Fiduciary. I'd never used that word. It just came out. I thought I was going to cuss there for a minute. I was worried after all that holy shifting. I mean, it was, whoa, fiduciary. I was like, whoa, shaka. And this is what it means because this is what God is doing in this place. Fiduciary means, this is what it, it means, involving trust. Involving trust. Now, it's involving financial trust, but I want to tell you this. It involves trust. The Lord is moving us from a place of faith into a place called trust. He's, 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 he's growing us in God. To where it's, it, see, trust is commitment where faith is confidence. Trust is a reliance on the character. Faith is a belief in the outcome. Are you with me? And see, where, where faith and the outcome has failed you in times past, trust in the character of God never can. And so I would like to encourage you to begin to move in faith into trust. Amen? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of your ways and he will direct your path. It goes on to say, not only involving trust, but it means especially with regard to the relationship between a trustee and a beneficiary. And this house is called as a fiduciary. It's called as a conduit. It is called as one of the disciples to distribute the increase and the multiplication, not just to the hungry, but also the stewardship of what's been left over. How many baskets were left over? Twelve. Amen? One for every disciple. You know what that means? They were all given a ministry they could give on. Every one of them walked away with ministry. Every one of them walked away with a basket full of heaven to give to those in need. Isn't that awesome? And when I, by the way, when I say this house, if you're in this house, you're a part of that promise. Because it's not a house made with hands, it's a family. This is not a church you attend, it's a family you're a part of. Amen? So I want to pray for you. I want to pray right now in the name of Jesus, the Lord will begin to release this grace to, to see divine order come to our house to where we can begin to receive the exponential increase of the Lord and not just receive the exponential increase of the Lord in a way that we can store it up for a rainy day. Because listen, I want to tell you, people who store it for a rainy day, do you ever notice it always rains for them? Do you ever notice these rainy day funds are always being depleted? See, if you make preparation for pain, pain you will have. Oh, that's Yoda. If you make preparation for pain, pain you will have. We can make preparation for a coming opportunity. In faith and not fear. See, all of creation is groaning for the sons of God to be made manifest, not to freak out. For the sons of God to worship, not to worry. For us to begin to step up and step out, not sit down and shrink back. Amen? So I want to pray for you. 
And the Lord's going to begin to just speak to your heart about areas that he wants to bring order. Because how many of you know the Holy Spirit does everything decent and in order? And there's been people who have manipulated that scripture and taken out of context to try to neuter our, our, our worship and our ability to reproduce in the kingdom. And, and that's wrong. And I, I, I want to break the power of every lie in your life where scripture has been manipulated and misused by a religious or political devil in times past. That has neutered the word of the Lord and allowed the traditions of, God, traditions of man to make the word of God of no effect. Because the word of the Lord is to reproduce. The word of the Lord is to release inheritance. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus now, all across this room, those who are watching by way of the web now and in the days to come, I speak for lights to be turned on. And I speak for order to be established. Holy Spirit does everything decent and in order. And so, Lord, right now, we call for order. We call for divine order in our land, that an exponential increase of justice could be released. We call for divine order in our finances and in our marriages. I call for divine orders in our day planner. Lord, to where our life really would seek first the kingdom and not everything else that you have promised would be added to us. Lord, all across this room right now, in the name of Jesus, speak to our hearts about the things that you would have to bring into order and into alignment with your spirit and by your name. And give us the faith, give us the faith of that young boy. who gave one of the greatest offerings that has ever been given, his everything, into the hands of the Lord. Lord, let us be those willing to give everything into your hands so that you would bless it and increase it to meet the need of our city. In Jesus' name. Isn't that awesome? A young boy gave an offering that caused Jesus himself to be thankful. That, that's amazing. This young boy comes, two fish and five loaves, and the Lord looks at him and goes, this is awesome. He looks to heaven, he's like, Father, isn't this great? And he does the same thing over us. He does the same thing when we trust him wholeheartedly. Amen? When we put all of our eggs in his basket, he looks to the Father and says, did you see that? And that's when the eyes of the Lord, the eye of the Lord ceases from its searching and finds that loyal heart and shows himself strong on their behalf. That heart that's loyal, that heart that's complete, that heart that is lacking nothing as it relates to him. But that word when it says that he would show himself strong on their behalf, the word strong there in Hebrew means that he would attach himself to them. The Lord, listen, he's looking to add himself to you. Not just Christ in you, but also Christ on you. Not just the Holy Spirit within, but also the Holy Spirit upon. Lord, come and reorder our life. Come and restructure our house. Come and move some things around in the Spirit, God. Come and move around the furniture. Come and move some things in. Come and move, in, move some things out. Lord, the things in our life that have been distractions, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, we ask for the spirit of burning and judgment to come upon our life. God, I invite in the name of Jesus, just like in Isaiah chapter 4, verse 4, the spirit of burning, the spirit of justice, Lord, that would come and bring a cleansing to your house so that there could be a cloud of glory upon this place and upon every house here. Lord, come and begin to shine your light on our life. Show us the areas of lack. Show us the areas uh, of waste. Show us the areas that the enemy is devouring our seed and the areas that we've granted him permission to do so. In Jesus' name. Mm, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Divine order brings exponential increase. Worshippers, builders, and trumpeters are coming together 
to work together again. And so it's such a beautiful picture of what happened there on the stage just a minute ago. Whether you're a worshiper, whether you're a builder, or whether you're a prophetic voice, the Lord is looking to unite those three through this house to restore and to finish what he began so many years ago in this place. Another promise the Lord gave for me, gave to me for you, is out of Luke chapter 17. Turn there real quick. But stay in, stay in that place of just being real sensitive to him. I'm actually just, I'm listening to him right now. I just, I feel like he's got audibles in his heart that he's about to call. You know, one of the things is the, 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 Lord, the Lord loves when we're faithful to, to plan and to prepare and to seek him for a blueprint. And, and Lord, how would you have us to, for instance, have a service, whether you're leading worship and creating a song set or you're, 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 you're giving a message and preparing an outline. You know, he loves that. He loves that faithfulness. First Corinthians 4, 1 and 2 says, Let a man so consider as servants of God and stewards of the mysteries of Christ. But it says a steward must first be found faithful. And there's a faithfulness to go and to dig your well. But I'll tell you, the greatest grace is when he calls an audible and you're willing to to abandon your plan to follow his way. Amen. Amen. And so Lord, right now, we invite you to call some audibles tonight. Lord, whatever it takes to advance the ball up the field, in Jesus' name, we just say, come on, God. Oh, there we are, pigskin. Come on, bacon. (laughs) Amen. Luke 17, let's look at verse 11. Because this this is part of this holy shift that's coming. Did I, have I mentioned that there's a holy shift coming? Holy shift. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. You know, leprosy is a, you know, it's, I, I, I thought that we didn't have leprosy anymore. How many of you thought the leprosy had just gone away? Like with the apostles. Anybody? There's leper colonies. Did you know there's still leper colonies? Russia, there's one in Louisiana. Louisiana's got a leper colony. Yeah, they've got, they, they do. Russia, uh, I know there's one there. There's two others. I was just looking at this the other day. Ray Hughes and I were talking about it. But, you know, the thing about leprosy is what does it do? It desensitizes you. See, we think it's a flesh-eating disease, and while there, there is uh, an infection, the real problem was it, was it would desensitize people, and then all of a sudden these rats would come, these vermin would come, and they would begin to eat body parts off of individuals, and they could not even tell they were being eaten in the night because they had lost their sense. They lost their sensitivity. And there's been a spiritual leprosy in the body of Christ that has caused us to become desensitized to our surroundings in a way to where the enemy is sending uh, this plague upon God's people that is beginning to eat at our senses as a wasting disease that has brought a leanness of soul. But the Lord is bringing an end to that leprosy. And this is what the Lord spoke to me because... As, 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 as body parts were lost and members were disconnected, the Lord is about to, hear me when I say this because it's a double meaning, he's about to remember his dismembered body. And he's going to do it here. He's about to put members of the body back together that have been separated, disconnected, and disjointed. Because as he remembers the dismembered body, he will remember the promise to the body as a whole. Verse 12. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found, excuse me, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. I want to tell you this. 
about 10% right now of those that have come to this, not even 10%, but just for, the, just for the sake of what we're talking about tonight, those who have come through this place and encountered the Lord in worship and have received a level of healing as they went, there's a core that is in this place, but the Lord is about to send the other nine lepers back to the house to glorify God, to give thanks, and to bring part of that holy shift and that financial recompense in return. The Lord is bringing the thankless lepers back to this place to glorify God for the healing they got through these doors. And in their coming back to thank him for the healing of times past, they will be made whole in a present way that then launches this body into its future. But he's bringing all 10 lepers back together again as one body. Does this make sense? So the nine lepers are coming back. Does that make sense? Somebody's like, oh, so-and-so. No, I'm kidding. Don't let your mind go there. Because here's, here's, here's what it is. Listen, what, 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 what was it that they came to do? What was it they came to do? To worship. When he came back, when that one came back, what did he do? He came back to glorify God and to thank Jesus. Worship's going to be what brings him back. And in worship, they will be made whole. So I want you to start praying. Not right now. I got a lot to talk about. But I want you to start praying for those that you know have come through this place in times past and have been touched and have been healed. And I want you to start, I give you permission to call them back. That is not control. It is not manipulation. It is calling them back into a place of wholeness. It's not, now, at the same time, you're not calling, Lord, make them leave so-and-so church or make them leave that. No, no, no. This is about bringing them back for worship. This is about a restoration of a body. Are you with me? Okay, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 33. Lord spoke this reference to me during worship. And, and I had to look it up. I, I, when, he, when he spoke the reference, I wasn't even familiar with the passage. And he just kept speaking this reference over and over again. And it was interesting because I was hearing it. I was hearing, I was hearing it through Ashley's, Ashley Shuck's voice. I kept hearing Ashley Shuck saying this, this, this scriptural reference, and I actually kept looking behind me to see if she was behind me. Three times I did it. And this was the, this was the reference that, 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 that I had, that, that the Lord spoke to me. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 13. It's the blessing of Joseph. It says, And of Joseph he said, Blessed, is the, blessed of the Lord is his land. This is talking about Joseph's land. Blessed of the Lord is his land. Blessed of the Lord is his land. With the precious things of heaven, with the dew and the deep lying beneath. And in the same way we spoke that blessing over Charlotte earlier. How many of you, when we, when we spoke that blessing, you could feel something released in the atmosphere? See, we've been given the power to bless. Amen. And, and honestly, this, when you begin, in fact, for Peter talked about it like this. He said that not, not returning evil for evil or reviling for, e, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. For you've been called to blessing. Part of being called to inherit the blessing of the Lord is being the blessing of the Lord. The blessing of Abraham was that in and through you, all the families of the earth would be blessed. But first you had to be blessed as well. And see, one of the ways that we bless is with our words. We actually begin to speak things into existence. And that's why, have you ever heard somebody say something and you saw what they said? Or they speak something and you feel it, you feel something manifest in your body, whether it's a fire in your hand and a manifestation of the spirit in your body, an oil upon your life. Listen, there is a reality to the words that we speak when we begin to say what we see, when we see what we say. So when I speak this right now, I'm going to get out of the mode of reading a scripture, and instead, we're going to pronounce this over this land. Blessed of the Lord is this land. With the precious things of heaven, with the dew, and the deep lying beneath, with the precious fruits of the sun, with the precious produce of the months, with the best of the ancient mountains, with the precious things of everlasting hills with the precious things of the earth and its fullness and the favor of him who dwelt in the bush. That's awesome right there. The favor of him who dwelt in the bush. You know what that's speaking to? 
That's speaking to the burning bush. Think about that blessing. The favor of him who dwelt in the bush. I love that. That's unique. The favor of him who dwelt in the bush. Let the blessing come on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him who is separate from his brothers. His glory is like a firstborn bull and his horns like the horns of the wild ox. See, again, we're looking at separation and then redemption. Separation and then redemption. Joseph had a dream that almost got him killed. He gets thrown into the pit, but who got him out of the pit? Judah. Praise will always pull you out of the pit. You are perfectly released to enjoy this message as much as you like. Do not apologize. Praise will always get you out of the pit. But see, some of you, what you're called to in the Lord has, called, has caused the ones you love the most to turn on you the worst. And it created a season of separation in your life that, hear me when I say this, was necessary. Because it is necessary in our life at times for the Lord to blind the eyes and deafen the ears of those we love the most and look to the most for counsel so that when the day comes that we need to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, the Lord is the only strength we can find. Because the Lord had a plan to bring Joseph's brothers back into his life and to bring the family back together. And in the same way that those nine lepers are coming back, the brothers are coming back. The family will be restored. 17. His glory was like a firstborn bull and his horns like the horn of a wild ox. Together with them, he shall push the peoples to the end of the earth. They are ten thousands of Ephraim and they are the thousands of Manasseh. And so, Lord, I ask for that to to rest upon this place and to rest upon this land. Lord, that blessing of Joseph. That blessing of Joseph. Turn to Mark chapter 6. Be that little boy. To be that little boy that got to give his lunch away. Isn't that awesome? Think about that the next time you worship. Think about what you've held up for yourself. Just laying it all at his feet saying, Lord, you can do a whole lot more with this than I can. Man. I mean, can you imagine just the, the smile of Jesus? I'm kind of like caught in this just, this, this boy. Just coming up and Just giving away everything he had. Not knowing if he was going to get it back. That's not faith. That's trust. Because here's the deal. He wasn't giving to get. And listen. We, how many of you are thankful for the biblical promises of seed time and harvest? How many of you are thankful that God does multiply seed that is sown 30, 60, 100 fold? Deuteronomy 111 says there's a thousand fold increase. But whatever happened to just giving to give? Not giving to get, but getting to give. 
That's a holy shift. What if in the church we didn't give because of what God would give back, but we just gave because of who God is? Instead of giving to get, getting to give. Because there was something way better than a tuna sandwich that day for that boy. He saw heaven come down. And he didn't just see people, he didn't just see people be fed, but did you know that was actually the first time the disciples were released into ministry? Do you know that was the first time the kingdom of God was placed into their hands and they were given permission to give away what God had given to them? His offering released their call. His lunch put them into their destiny. I want to give Jesus my lunch. Lord, I ask for, Lord, I ask for a holy shift in our hearts. Because you said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That boy had no motive. He just had something that he thought Jesus needed. And he gave what he had not looking for anything in return. He didn't have to be talked into giving his lunch. Isn't that awesome? Think about his mom. I don't know if you guys had any moms like this growing up. They pack you lunch and then you get home and they're like, did you eat your lunch or did you trade it? Did you eat your boiled eggs? You know, I packed that lunch for you. He's probably thinking about like, man, what am I going to tell mom? <laughs> yeah, I, I gave my lunch away. You gave your lunch away? Yeah, I gave it to Jesus. You gave it to who? But let me tell you what happened. But think about it like this. Think about the preparation that went into that miracle. I mean, they're, okay, they're three days. They've been listening to Jesus for three days. So there had already been prior preparation that provided for a present need to be met that released a future promise. His mom, whoever it had been, that put those fish and those bread together and put them in his little sack and sent Johnny on his way, she was a part of the miracle. She empowered him to give his lunch and in him giving his lunch, he then empowered and released the disciples into what they were called to do, fed a ton of people, and all of a sudden set in motion this holy shift that has never stopped. That moved an entire city from a mindset of lack into a place of abundance. Because poverty has nothing to do with your bank account, it has everything to do with your mind. Poverty and prosperity is a mindset. By the way, Romans 14, 23, we talked last night about this cleansing and laying aside weight and toxic thinking. And, 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 but in Hebrews 12, it says, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles. Romans 14, 23 gives us the definition of sin. It says, whatever is not from faith is sin. And you know what that tells me? Sin has a lot more to do with what you believe in your heart than what you do with your hand. Sin has more to do with what you believe in your heart because belief produces behavior. And fear will always cause us to live beneath the standard that God has set for our life. Fear causes us to act irrationally. Doesn't it? When you're, when you're scared, you do stupid stuff. Are you with me? You make decisions you would not typically make because you're eating fruit from the wrong tree. 
And so you can do a right thing from a wrong heart and it still be wrong. And I say that to say that the Lord is wanting to bring a shift to our heart to where fear is no longer a motivator to live right. You want to know one of the craziest... I mean, this just blows... I, I preached on this on Easter. But um, one of the craziest things to me is... I don't understand how we ever thought that, you know, that talking about hell would promote heaven. That we try to scare people into love. It's crazy talk. Hellfire and brimstone. Where we're trying to intimidate people into making a pressured decision. See, because perfect love casts out fear because there is no fear in love. And so, how did we ever get a message because it was never in Jesus? Jesus never talked about hell to try to show heaven. He always talked about heaven to show heaven. It's novel. He never, he never talked about hell as a threat to point people into behaving right. He spoke to who they were and they began to believe right. And when they believed right, they behaved right. And so I want to tell you this. If you've had a reoccurring issue in your life, what they call besetting sins, I want to tell you this. It's simply a lie that you believe that you can recognize tonight, you can repent of it, you can break agreement and say, I'm better than that. That's not who I am. Because the great thing about Christ is you're not what you did. Does this make sense? All these things are necessary for entering into Holy Shift, having these, these mindsets, these understandings. Mark chapter 6, you there? We're going to wrap up with this real quick. I just want to read six verses and just give an outline of cultivating an atmosphere for the anointing without measure. For an arise and shine company. Okay? Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? They're like, this guy's amazing. Are you listening to what he's saying? The wisdom with which he speaks. The miracles. And then they look to find fault. Is this not the carpenter? The son of Mary and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. I want to tell you this. See in Matthew chapter 21. Matthew, excuse me, Matthew chapter 24. Actually, turn there real quick. Keep your finger on Mark chapter 6, and let me tell you why, why, there's a, why, why the enemy attempts to bring offense into our life. Turn to Matthew chapter 24. And each of these points tonight is for the purpose of recalibration. Recalibration within our hearts. Verse 7. Matthew chapter 24, verse 7. For nation, we're talking about darkness, okay? Darkness rising on the earth. For nation will rise against nation, a kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up into tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Woohoo! Come on, Jesus! <laughs> Hallelujah. And then many will be offended. Many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. You know what that's speaking to there, false prophets? It's not just people who are prophesying falsely. It's talebearers. It's talebearers. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end will be saved. You want to know what the, the aim of offense is? Is to cause your love to grow cold. To cause your love to grow cold. Jesus came to his city. He came to the land of his inheritance. And he came to bring the ministry of love. 
He came to bring restoration. He came to bring healing. He came to bring signs. He came to bring wonders. He came to reveal his father. And because they were offended, their love grew cold. It says, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Do you see a theme here? Lord, dealing with division in families. Joseph and his brothers, 10 lepers, Mark chapter 6. Now he could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hand on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Now what led to their unbelief? What was it that led to their unbelief? Why, why were they in a place of unbelief and offense? Because they had become too familiar with the man, Christ Jesus. We're talking about cultivating an atmosphere for the anointing. They became too familiar with the package that contained the gift of grace that they had longed for for thousands of years. And because they rejected the package, they did not receive the gift. If it happened with Jesus, we know it's going to happen to us. The humanity of others can often be a stumbling block in fostering, cultivating, and receiving from the anointing of God in the lives of those around us. Oftentimes, the Lord will allow you glaring insight into the humanity and the shortcomings of the people whose help you need the most to give you an opportunity to either point the finger and speak wickedness or to be a love that covers. We're talking about cultivating an atmosphere for the anointing to arise and to shine. They limited who he was by who they had known him to be. They limited, they limited who he was by who they had known him to be. In the same way that the Lord's mercy is new every morning, our mercy must be new every morning. Their failure to recognize what he was now carrying caused them to dishonor who he was. Because dishonor breeds division. Dishonor created skepticism, which then led to unbelief. Dishonor limits the power of the anointing. But honor makes room for the anointing to do what the anointing does. Honor is a key to creating a culture of the miraculous where all things are possible. And one of the interesting things in an apostolic center like this is in a, in a culture of community and family, we live life together, and in living life together, you see stuff. Amen? And it's the ability to see through stuff and to see into the grace and pull treasure out of the hearts of one another. Isaiah 58, God's chosen fast. We called a fast on fear last night, amen? God's chosen fast said this, the putting away of the point of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, that we would be a well-watered garden even in a time of drought. That means it does not matter what happens in our nation. It matters how we respond to what happens in our nation. Because then we become a Goshen, we can be a well water garden even in time of drought. Listen, all of these things can be happening in our nation and it can just cause the brightness of the Lord upon our life to be that much visible in the eyes of those around you. God can actually use the failures of our society to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ through our positioning ourselves through faithfulness and willingness and obedience to be bright and shining lamps in a dark day. And he says, if we would put away the point of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, we would be like well water gardens in a time of drought, a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And it says, then your health will spring forth speedily. Then you'll repair the breach and then you'll restore the streets. See, we're called to repair the breach. We're called to restore the streets. We're called to rebuild the temple and redig the wells. But to do that, we have to have a heart of honor. We have to be like that little boy that says, listen, I want to give my everything into the Lord's hands. I don't, want to, I don't want to give to get, but I want to get to give. I want to live a life of worship 24-7, moving from a place of worrying about what am I going to do for myself to worshiping the God who is worthy to take care of me and everybody else in the land. Worthy. 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 Let me read you just a few things about trust real quick trust. Just a few things I jotted down during worship over there. 
How many of you, the Lord really, how many of you this, this today that just, even as we talked about this fast on fear last night, you get, you get those fast munchies today. You had opportunity to be, to be fearful today. There's things that begin to creep in. Listen, I want to tell you, if we can give ourselves to this, it is both the exit strategy, it is both the exit strategy from the wilderness and the entrance plan to the promise. It's the exit strategy from where we've been and it's the entrance to the promise. Being trustworthy really begins with trusting the one who is worthy. Stewardship in the kingdom of God and faithfulness really boils down to one thing, trust. Trust, trust, trust. See, if I go into those, we're going to be here all night. So let me just, I'll finish up with this then. Yeah, because if we do that, we're gonna, I'm going to lock into another gear. It's already getting late. I want to tell you two things the Lord spoke to my heart. One, he said, what's my name? And two, he said, who's your daddy? This is how God talks to me. It's awesome. He said, what's my name? Who's your daddy? I said, you got my attention, Lord. Honey, be ham. Come on now. And I want to tell you this. Proverbs, bacon. Bacon! Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Listen. There is now revelation on the names of the Lord. If we will begin to look to the names of the Lord and begin to recognize the nature and the wells that we are called to drink from, each of those names will reveal his nature and they'll become a strong tower and a place of refuge and a place of fortress and a place to where we can find protection in the midst of the storm. And who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Fear boils down to not knowing who your father is. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow of turning. He doesn't change. There's no variance. He doesn't pull back. He is always good. Not everything that happens in the earth is good, but God is always good. But also, the Lord spoke about another father, and he was called the father of lies, Beelzebub. Amen? And he said all he can do is lie. All he can do is lie. And so one of the things is knowing who your daddy is. Knowing what his name is. Because those things when married together produce his desire in your heart. Psalm 37 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The word desire is a Latin word made up of D-E means of and sire the father. And what happens is, this is where the Lord is wanting to bring a recalibration in our heart through the act of honor, even this night. Like that young boy who was willing to take his lunch and give it all to Jesus. Toward the desire that is in our heart is a desire that has been born from his heart. Because when we look into our heart of hearts and what we want most, we can always trace it back to which father we've been listening to. The father of lights, who is always good, or the father of lies, who is always trying to pull us into a place of self, into a place of fear, and into a place of preservation. Amen? Tonight had more of a sobriety on it. Last night had more of a wine on it. Tonight was more of a designated driver meeting. <laughs> but we're about to have a Holy Ghost impartation of Holy Shift. Amen? Here's what we're going to do. I feel like we're supposed to receive an honor offering. I know we, I know we, I know we need to receive an offering because of the conference, uh, but this is what I feel like we're supposed to do is receive an honor offering. Turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. You know, the only problem in coming here is I never have enough time to say all that's in my heart to share. It's got to stay. stay. It is. It's just... Extend it. Extend it. It's... <laughs> It's amazing. You know, it's just, there's, there's, and, and honestly, that, that is an affirmation to the heart of this house. I call it the honey hole. Because honestly, there, there is genuine hunger in this place. This is an atmosphere of hunger. And I want to tell you, hunger establishes cities for the Lord to dwell in. Psalm 107 verse 35 says this, it says, that the Lord, the Lord would actually turn a wilderness into a pool and he would cause dry ground to spring forth for one reason. It says, there he makes the hungry dwell, that they may establish a city as a dwelling place for their God. How many of you hungry tonight? Anybody hangry? 
It said that the hungry establish a city, that your hunger can turn their wilderness into his pool. Woo! Come on, Jesus. Your hunger can turn the dry ground of Dallas, the dusty dry ground of Dallas, into a spring of revival and awakening. The Lord appointed those with hunger for such a time as this to position themselves in this place to plumb the well of promise and the well of worship in this city. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. This is what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bone. Do not be wise in your own eyes. In other words, what does that look like? Do not be wise in your own eyes. It's kind of like in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, when it says, he who scatters increases. Say increase. How many of us want to increase? The key to increase is scatter. The key to getting is giving. He says, he who scatters increases, but he who withholds more than is right, it leads to poverty. And that, and when it talks about withholding more than is right, holding back our lunch, holding back what is to be given to God, what, is, what, is, what does it look like to hold back more than is right? I've asked, have you ever asked the Lord this? Like, is there a certain percentage? Like, what, what is it? And this is what the Lord has shown my heart. How many of you know there's times in our life where we can actually have more faith in our savings than our Savior? Listen, when, I go, when, when we go into seasons, like, you know, and, and listen, we, we, do, we do a lot of stuff in the kingdom. And it takes a lot of money to do a lot of those things. But as soon as I start putting hope in what we've put away or what we've been able to amass or what we've been able to accumulate for certain projects and purposes, that's typically when the Lord says, uh, yeah, I'm going to need you to give all that away. So you can remember to put your faith in your savings, in your savior and not your savings. Amen? Because here's what happens. You can always find out where, who your faith is in when you look to who you have to check with when God asks you to do something. When the Lord speaks to your heart to do this or to do that, do we look to our savings or do we look to our savior? Do we look if we can or do we listen if we should? Are you with me? The Lord is wanting to bring a holy shift. He's wanting to bring a shift from having a natural dependence into a supernatural trust and reliance on the goodness of the Lord. Not being wise in our own eyes. Not withholding more than is right. But it says, he who waters will then himself be watered. But this is in verse, verse 9 and 10 here. This is what I felt like the Lord had us to do tonight in terms of receiving our offering. Again, uh, to give tonight, you can make out checks to storehouse. And in the memo of your check, just put honor. If you want to give by cash or credit card, there's envelopes in the seat pockets in front of you. And this is what we're doing. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 says, honor the Lord with your possessions. We're talking about cultivating an atmosphere for the anointing. Honor makes room for the anointing to do what the anointing does. Honor welcomes Jesus. Honor makes room for the oil to flourish and the oil to flow. Honor was what that young boy did when he took his lunch and gave it to the Lord, not knowing if he would get anything back in return. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase. Of all your increase. It doesn't just say the first fruit of your paycheck. The first fruit of all of your increase, of every blessing in your life. Verse 10, so your barns or your storehouses will be filled with plenty. Your barns, your storehouses will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And so this is what I want to pray for you tonight. As we prepare our offerings tonight and we begin to give to the Lord, how many of you say, listen, I, I need some prayer tonight for Holy Shift? I want to see the very thing that we spoke about last night and even tonight. I want to see it released in my life. I want to see my barn. Come on, a child shall lead them. That's the way to do it. I want to see my barn filled with plenty. I want to see the vat, my vat overflowing with new wine. See the barn, that is the place that we accumulate resource to be a steward here on the earth. But I want to tell you, you know what your vat is? This is your vat. Some of us got a fat vat. Come on now. We 
are the vats of the Lord. And the Lord is wanting to not just fill your barn, he's wanting to fill your vat. He's not just wanting to fill your, fill your ability as a fiduciary to be a resourcer of kingdom wealth and to beginning to distribute to not only those in need, but also have an abundance left over for every good work. He's not wanting to just do that. He's also wanting to fill you. He's wanting to overflow you with new wine. He's wanting to bring a shift into your life to where you begin to see different. You begin to think different. You begin to believe different. And therefore, you begin to behave different. Because if just the number of us in this room, I want to tell you, just the number of us in this room are more than enough to turn this city upside down. If 120 in an upper room on a day of Pentecost could turn the world upside down, what could this room do? Are you with me? With just one breath, with just one wind of the Holy Spirit, with just one touch of that tongue of fire. By the way, did you know this? Listen, listen oh man, did you know it was not a sound of, it was not a, a wind that came in there. It was a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. You know why they had to say it was a sound as of a rushing mighty wind? Because they heard something they had never heard before. It wasn't, they didn't have tongues of fire. It was tongues as of fire. And this is what it was. There was a visible, manifest, tangible presence of the Lord upon these people that they could see with their eyes. And they didn't know what they, it looked like something they had never seen before. And the closest thing they could describe it to was fire. They said it was a tongue like that of fire. And they were liking it to fire. They were liking it to a rushing mighty wind because that day they heard something they had never heard before and they saw something they'd never seen before. And I'm telling you what is coming to this city and what is coming to this place is a sound that has never been heard and it's, it's, it is a sight that has never been seen. But honor is the way that we usher it in. Honor is the way that we usher it in and make way for the worshipers, the builders, and the trumpeters to come together to rebuild, to redeem, to redig, and to restore. Everybody stand to your feet. Worship team. Well, look at this. Right out of the bat cave. Come on, let's thank the Lord for Jordan. Hey! And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to honor God. We're going to worship. And then we're going to give him our lunch and watch him transform a city. I want to tell you this tonight. Listen, this isn't just a regular offering. This isn't just, you, you, you just, sometimes people give because they're, they're used to giving. Sometimes they just throw in 20 bucks because they're used to throwing in 20 bucks. Listen, if, if, if you give out a repetition, you need, you need to quit it and start over. Because it's a form of godliness that denies the power. If you extract the voice of the Lord from your giving, you've extracted the power from your gift. When you invite the voice of God into your giving, it automatically comes into your receiving. And what we're doing here tonight is we're saying, Lord, we're, we're not just coming to a service, but we're believing for a shift. We're believing for a shift in our city. We're believing for not just the one leper to come back and be made whole. We're believing that you bring all 10 back into a place of worship. That each and every person that has ever come through this house to receive a measure of healing would come back thanking God, giving glory to God, and being made whole in his presence. That the brothers, the brothers that have been separated in times past will be brought back together again as the blessing of Joseph, Joseph comes again upon this land. That honor would be restored in this house and in this city. That not only only would unbelief and doubt be done away with, but the miraculous hand of the Lord would be released to function at its highest level in this place. And that we would have the honor of giving our lunch to him, expecting nothing in return. Are you with me? Hold your offering before the Lord tonight. Lord, it is with thankful hearts Lord, that we give freely to you tonight, that we give willingly, Lord, that we can take all that you've given to us. Lord, just as John said, man has nothing without it first being given to him by God. And so, Lord, everything we have is yours. And so tonight we give freely back to you. And we ask you to multiply it. We ask you to increase it, not just for our good, but for your best for the feeding of our city and for the extending of your kingdom. That just as that young boy's lunch released ministry into, the, into and through the hands of the disciples, that this would be a place where disciples are raised up to follow and to feed the hearts of the hungry. 
Lord, that the wilderness of this city would be made the pools of God and the dry ground of Dallas would begin to spring forth because of the hunger that is being uncapped in this place. In Jesus' name. Come. Come and begin to offer to the Lord your lunch tonight. Come and begin to begin to place it into your hand. And we're going to go into worship and we're going to invite the Holy Spirit just to begin to start releasing that anointing for Holy Shift. And if you'd like prayer tonight, specifically for that prayer of impartation, for that shift, I'm going to ask you to come down to the front and begin to line up. And we're going to come down and we're going to begin to pray for you. And we're going to agree that tonight is a night where the tide turns. Tonight is a night to arise. Tonight is a night to shine. Tonight is a night to be launched forward in the very area you've been pushed back.